We interrupt our regular Hollow Weird World programming with a special Friday the 13th episode. We're going to bring you some strange stories of things that happened on Friday the 13th. That's up now. Welcome, everyone, to the Weird World Podcast. As I mentioned on the tease, we are going to cut away a little bit from the traditional spooky, Halloween-y, scary, horror kind of stuff and bring you some stories from Friday the 13th. Carrie is going to start with some quick hits of some crazy things that happened on Friday the 13th. Not where she was. Why? What's so funny? What's happening? You're just funny. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not sure how, how to take that. I'm starting with quick hits. Some quick hits. You're going to do some quick ones, and I'm going to finish it up with a little bit longer story of something pretty amazing that happened on Friday the 13th. Well, first off, yes. do you know what no. Paris, Paris phobia is? No, that's... <laughs> I, I do know you pronounce that entirely I mi- correctly. I missed the Paris and then a bunch of things you're saying. Paris phobia. Paris Gambit, yeah. It's the fear of falling in love in Paris. No. Damn it. It's a it's a form of triskaidekaphobia. Okay. Which we everybody knows that. That's the fear that. of Friday the thirteenth. That's just the fear of the number thirteen. Oh, okay. The Paris Gavidekatriophobia is the irrational fear of Friday the thirteenth. Oh. I'm wondering, how many, have you ever actually really been afraid of, like, really genuinely thought, okay, it's Friday the 13th, I better be careful, something bad might happen to me? No. I have bad luck. No. How many people think out there really, truly, legit believe that? Not necessarily a phobia, but just like, I better be careful today. The superstition thing? I'll yeah. bet you a lot of people. I think so, too. Boy, maybe we should have looked up that. Probably should have. Didn't do it. Hmm. I have a history well, here of, you know, this October of not researching things well. <laughs> Friday in Western culture, Friday the 13th is one of the most pervasive superstitions. Ah. Like black cats and walking oh, yeah. under ladders and things like that. Yeah, okay. breaking, a mirror, breaking a mirror, all those kinds of things. Dropping salt or salt with a mirror? I can't remember. No, if you spill salt, you got to throw some over your shoulder. Yes. I yes. think your left shoulder, maybe. Probably, but yeah, I'm not a I'm not a superstitious person at all. No, although I do believe that <laughs> I can impact the outcome of a baseball game under certain circumstances. As he, I'm even when I'm watching it, and it's been over for hours. He's not joking. No, I'm not he joking. really thinks he can. I really even think if I can. the game has already been played. Yes, yes. <laughs> he believes it can change I, somehow. I believe it can. Well, anyhow, I, I don't think anybody even really knows exactly how Friday the 13th became such a pervasive superstition. But there is one there, dominant, right? Well, there are things that have made both Friday mm. as kind of day to be a little bit wary of. I've been getting shit faced because you're done with the work week is the most important way. Then a lot of car accidents yeah. and stuff like that. TGIF. Mm-hmm. And also number 13. So. Yeah. Why is number 13 so not good? Well, I'll let you know in a few minutes here. Okay. All right. Jumping ahead. Sorry about get that. Get to that section. There is something in Norse mythology where Loki. <gasps> Can I guess on the 13 thing? I think I know. Okay. Go ahead. Loki. Don't, as, let me guess before you tell me. Okay. As we know, is the god of mischief. He crashed a banquet in mm-hmm. Valhalla, and he brought the number of gods that were there to Ooh, the number... 13. 13. Okay. He was the 13. Okay. 
And then he was he, a trickster. He also tricked somebody into shooting their brother, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he was not good. Yeah. So I blame Tom Hiddleston. Yep. That's one thing. And then uh, also, th- this is going to tell us why the number. So you want to guess? Yes, I do. I'm, but I'm now realizing I'm almost certainly wrong. I was going to say that it has something to do with the 12 apostles and that Judas Iscariot was the traitor one, but he wasn't the 13th apostle. He was one of the 12 apostles, I think, right? So well, it just matters that there were 13. Yeah, he was the 13th. He was? It, are you, you, are know, you counting Jesus? That doesn't make sense. 13, maybe 13th 13 at the people Last Supper. in attendance at the Last at Supper. At the Last Supper. Correct. Counting Jesus. Yes. Okay. And so why is Judas the 13th? Because he was the 13th to arrive. Was he? How, find that hard to believe. How do they know? Impossible. Was there a sign-in sheet? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> An ancient scroll sh- sign-in yeah. sheet. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but that's the story. A little post-talk going on there and for sure. of course, all of, so I was right. all of us, all of those of us who attended church and paid very close attention. Like you. Are especially me. I know. As a good Catholic. <laughs> Judas Iscariot was the disciple who betrayed Jesus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think everyone knows that. Leading to his crucifixion on Good Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah, So there we go for an unlucky Friday. And that's why three days later, Sunday is Easter Sunday, because he rose from the grave three days later, left his grotto cemetery tomb, and the rest is history. Here's other things that occurred on Unlucky Fridays in the Bible history of the world. It's also the day that Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge. Again, not clear that calendars were even invented, let alone the current calendar, which has Fridays and 13th. Somehow they know. It's also supposedly the day Cain murdered his brother Abel, (laughs) the day the Temple of Solomon was toppled, Uh, and the day Noah's Ark set sail. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I wonder if... So when did... See, the, the theory is, I think you can get to it, that Friday the 13th became a scary thing like in the 1300s or something like that. And it, this, so when did these terrible things that, from the Bible or these auspicious things from the Bible were said to have had happened on Friday the 13th? Was it only after that or was it earlier than that? Because that seems, it seems like it would, would have been, if it's earlier than Wait. the 1300s, then it seems weird. It's not Friday the 13th. It's just on Fridays. Oh, these are just Friday things. Yes. Oh, got these it. My Fridays. bad. Never mind then. Yet also, no. seriously. No. no one knows that these are Fridays. <laughs> oh, oh, it's raining pretty hard. Well, yeah. it's a Friday, Noah. I'm already drunk after work, so you can build your own damn ark. So some guy who Something wrote a like book that. about superstitions, and uh, he... Some guy. That's good. Good good accreditation. Well, his name is Steve Roud, and his book is called The Penguin Guide to the Superstitions of Britain and Ireland. Thank you. He says that it wasn't until the 19th century that Friday the 13th became associated with bad luck and misfortune. Yes. Okay. What? I said accreditation a minute ago, and I was waiting for you to make fun of me because I meant attribution, and you didn't make fun of me. Now I just look stupid, so thanks. Oh, that's okay. okay. You fixed it. Thank you. There was a book written in 1907. Mm -hmm. It was just a popular fictional novel, and it was called Friday the 13th. And was it was it the original of um, no the what's the movie where they all get die in horrible Friday the 13th? No, no, no. no, Oh, um, um, you know what I'm talking about. Damn uh, it! Where they all die and they shouldn't have died and then they die anyway. They don't die, but they should have died. 
And every movie starts with like five gory deaths. Yeah, we need Emma here. Damn it. I know exactly what I'm thinking of. I know, and I've heard this movie referred to several times in the last Damn few it. days. It's because of all It'll the come brains. to us. Okay. But anyway, in his book, there was a, a an unscrupulous broker who took advantage of the Friday the 13th superstitions to deliberately crash the stock market. What? Yeah. It's good thinking. That there happened. is another story. That would story. happen in, in 1987, I believe. 1989. Oh, 1989. Yep. Yeah. Black Friday. Oh, were you going to say that one? Yeah. My bad. That's all right. There is another story that Friday the 13th all started with a guy named William Fowler in, I think, the late 1800s. And he was obsessed with the number 13. Hmm. It appeared all over his life. He attended public school number 13, PS 13, Mm -hmm. in New York. He fought in the Civil War in 13 battles. Really? (laughs) He became some kind of, you know, builder guy or architect or whatever and built 13 structures in New York City. Okay. I feel like he just stopped. After his 13th battle, he goes, no, I'm not doing any more (laughs) battles. After his 13 structures that I'm done, I'm going to move on. He belonged to 13 secret clubs. Well, they, that, he has total control over that. A lot of secret clubs. As for, a, a, I don't think there really are 13 secret clubs just in New York City. Come on. How many secret clubs can there possibly be? I don't be? know. B, he just says, okay, I, that's my 13th. I'm done joining clubs. But also, like you said, he had control of this, and he deliberately did try to coordinate mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. significant events mm-hmm. in his life with the 13th date of each month. He had sex 13 times. <laughs> Always on the 13th. Only on the 13th of the month. <laughs> So then in January, on Friday the 13th, 1882, he decided he won't, well, he decided before this, but he, because he had to plan it, he was going to uh, form a club. And that day was going to be the first meeting of the 13 club. Mm-hmm. He was going to have it in room number 13 mm. of the Knickerbocker Cottage. This is much sadder than the 27 club. <laughs> This is sadder. This is not it would sadder. be sadder if 27 Club because if you had 13 Club, that means people are dying when they're 13. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, it, it this was a dinner, mm-hmm. it, it became a supper club basically. To get in, the guests had to, to walk ben, underneath a ladder <laughs> that ha- held a banner that read Morituri Te Salutamus. Which you're, you're nailing some difficult words today, by the way. This is Latin. Give you credit. For which that. nobody knows how to pronounce Latin. No, okay. <laughs> and it means those of us who are about to die salute you. Oh, okay. He's, I prefer for those about to rock, we salute you by ACDC, <laughs> but this is good you too. You think that's where they got it from? Probably. Well, this meal had 13 courses. Big platters of lobster salad molded mm. into coffin shapes. So are they try- purposely sort of, you know, conf- like, like tempting fate here? Yeah. Okay. Maybe this is the the um, original, I- the, where the idea for Final Destination came from. Yeah. You I, did. I, I did. I did. And I look how long I waited just to piss off our listeners. and <laughs> going, God damn it, it's Final Destination, you idiots. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, he, there were salt cellars on the table. You know what that is? A little mm. pot with salt. And they yeah. were... Purposely tipped over, spilling salt all over the table, but you were not allowed to to take a pinch and throw it over your shoulder. Did everybody have to bring their own black cat? Didn't say anything about black cats. They really should have had like a hundred black cats in that room. 
So he started this in 1882. It became a regular event and that he had until he died in 1897. That's a pretty long time. Yeah. And then it was done. The club was dismantled. Nobody wanted to take it over. But over the years, I think there were three or four former presidents Mm. who belonged to this famous club. So they, they had some fairly prominent men, of course. No women allowed. Obviously, um, Women would just shriek and tear and run around the room. But he thought the number 13 brought him luck, and it was a good number. Okay. He wasn't afraid of it. So so now we're going to talk about some bad things that have happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is wrong? Okay. Well, he, well, you know. He, I actually think 13 is a lucky number. Well, I, I don't think it's an anything number. I think it's a number 13. It stands for 13 things. Well, of course. But you believe in lucky numbers. You have lucky numbers. I don't know if you have lucky numbers. I don't Favorite have... number, whatever. Okay. It's a <laughs> huge difference, just so you know. Okay. Well, you referred to a plane crash. Yes. And I did? The... Oh, I thought you did. No. This is a, a bad stock one. market crash. Oh, you that's know what? right. Similar. <laughs> crashes. Types of crashes. Yeah. Okay. There are a few crashes that have occurred on Friday the 13th. Yeah. In fact, plane crash. on this day, 19th, Friday, Friday the 13th, wait, what month was it? October. Oh, October, Friday the 13th in 1972, there were two plane crashes. (gasps) One airplane was a twin turboprop Fairchild FH-227, which belonged to the Uruguayan Air Force. Oh, I know where this is going. And it was leaving... Asuncion? Montevideo. Montevideo, the capital. Beautiful. And beautiful were, view from Montevideo. Oh, or Mount Beautiful? I can't remember. They but, were going to Santiago. Mm, this They Chile. were leaving on October 12th, and this was for a soccer game. Yep. They had to go over the Andes Mountains. Yeah. I would never want to go over the Andes no. Mountains. No. And it, it was a difficult route anyway due to it was just kind of hazardous to navigate, especially because there were often weather situations mm-hmm. going on. And it's so narrow down in that part of South America that, you know, you do have to go very high, very fast, and then come down very low, yeah. very fast. And the Andes are incredibly high, 26, 27, I think, feet in altitude. So, yeah, I mean, the biggest mountains I've been over are probably, I guess, the Rockies many, yeah. many, many times. But, you know, you're 30,000 feet and they're 15, so right. it's not a big deal. Well, yeah. and on this day, the weather was real bad. Yeah. In fact, so bad, they couldn't continue their flight. Oof. So they had to stop and wait things out overnight in uh, Mendoza, Argentina. Mm-hmm. The weather was still bad the next day, so that was October 12th. So then on October 13th, the, the weather mm. was still kind of bad in the morning. There were heavy, heavy clouds over the mountains, but I guess they had to get to their soccer game. So they took off anyway. And basically the cloud cover just made it too dangerous and too difficult. And the pilot was confused about where he was. And so when he was relaying where he was to them and they were telling him what to do because he couldn't see and they were telling him what to do. By the time he saw the mountain, they were crashing into it. Oof. Essentially. And they crashed. This is famous. Everybody can look it up. There yep. are books, articles, movies about this. Do you think that if they had kept to their regular schedule, they would not have been forced to eat people? <sighs> I, I jumped ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this was, of course, the famous story of Alive. The movie was called Alive, yes. where they, they, they were 
They crashed in the Andes and they eventually became cannibals reluctantly, very yes. reluctantly. In fact, I think some never even did that, and but that allowed them to survive before they were rescued like over a month later? 72 days. Oh, my God. Yeah. 28 survived, I think, t- the original plane crash. And I think maybe 12 were, or 16 were finally rescued. So 12 more died during the yeah. 72 days? Yikes. Yeah, after 72 days. It's pretty horrific. Yeah, it is. Uh, there was also... It's uh, also an inspirational story of survival, though, Carrie. E- sure. It is. There was also a plane crash going, I think, from Moscow, or from Paris to Moscow. Same day. Same day. day. Yeah. Hundreds died, or over almost 200, I think, died yeah. in that plane crash. And then also the um, that uh, something Concordia, the, the Italian Costa Concordia, ship, Costa Concordia yeah. that was also. He drove it into a reef, showing off to a girl, to his, his girlfriend, I believe. Yeah. Showing off to Mistress. his girlfriend, say, hey, want to see yeah. if I can split this giant cruise liner in between those two reefs right there? I'm not supposed <laughs> to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it full speed ahead. Let's go. There were also some uh, notable weird natural disasters on Friday the 13th. October 13th, 2006. Wow, there was a lot of October versions yeah, of these, too. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a freak blizzard that hit New York. 22 inches of snow in Buffalo, New York, mm. in the middle of October, which mm. is unheard of. It doesn't typically snow in October. Yeah. And then um, in 1970, there was a deadly cyclone that hit Bangladesh, killed at least 300,000 people. On Friday. On the Friday 13th. the 13th. Yikes. There's also an Australian disaster, also known as Black Friday. What was that? What was their Black Friday? This was in 1939, January 13th, a, a horrific fire. The mm. worst bushfire oh. in Australia's history. Well, until those ones a couple of years ago, those were... Pretty, I would imagine those. Uh, were, I, I over four hundred million acres of land yeesh. in Victoria was burnt. Yes, but did wipe out all the koalas, pretty much. At least the koalas that don't have VD, which is all of them. Never mind. Over a dozen towns were destroyed. Seventy-one people died. It was really bad. Yeah. Yikes. So anyway, these are these are terrible things. Yeah. Okay. It's Friday the Thirteenth, man. Yeah, I guess. A couple famous murders on Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, fr- I know one of them. Which one? The um the 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 one in New York where she uh, yes. cried for help and supposedly everyone ignored her, which is not true. Yes. It's a myth. It still lives. You still it written up as you know the the, the, the bystander theory. The bystander yeah. theory is absolutely not true. People did call the police. Yeah, I, there was there was a screw up, but it wasn't from people ignoring these screams for help. That's not true. Right. Uh, well, what was her name again? Kitty Ki- Genovese. Kitty Genovese. That was March thirteenth, nineteen sixty four. And the other one, Tupac Shakur, which. Really? Big in the news lately. Yes. He was actually shot on September 7th. Oh, well, that doesn't count. 1996, but he died. No. Sorry. In the hospital on Friday, September 13th. Nope. Nope. That's a stretch. Not including it. He was not. He has yet to be shot on Friday the 13th. Sorry. No. Mm-mm. No. Gary, I've made a decision. <laughs> well, you. I'm not can, counting it. I'm not counting it. That's can, desperate. Well, that's what I say. Um, <laughs> you say, well. Yes. Okay. So but it counts because okay. that's the day he died. <sighs> Remember how I said that I thought 13 was more of a lucky day, lucky number? You did say that, yes. Well, you know who agrees with me? Who agrees with you? Also, somebody very prominent in the news lately. Jimmy Carter. As a very influent... Jimmy Carter's been prominent in the news lately. (laughs) 
You think if I'm... Uh, oh, oh, oh. Travis Kelsey. Close. Taylor Swift. There you go. T-Swift. She considers 13 her lucky number. All right. And it, earlier on in her career, she would often perform with the number 13 written in colorful numbers on really? her hand. Okay. She was born on the 13th. She turned 13 on Friday the 13th. Hmm. Her first album went gold in 13 weeks. Her first number one song had a 13-second intro. Okay, well, now. <laughs> and she said... Every time she won an award, she's been seated in either the 13th seat, the 13th row, the 13th section, or row M, which is the 13th letter. Yeah, that's because she makes them seat them and seat her in one of those places every time she goes to an award show. That's uh, I don't know. It's not luck. She says that she believes whenever a 13 comes up in her life, it's a good thing. Okay. Interesting. People yeah. can, people are now going to manipulate that, I feel. <laughs> okay, I'm people sure are people walking. There's a line. Been. I'm going to get 13th in line. I'm going to sign her book, whatever. whatever. I don't know. People have probably always manipulated Well, good for T-Swiz, yeah. but, um, which is what the kids call her. Sure they do. But I, her career is kind of fading now, so I don't know if that's so, so much <laughs> luck. <laughs> well, what's your Friday the 13th story? My Friday the 13th story, we'll spend a little more time on, is another in that in that similar vein, but here we're gonna go into a little more detail about a man named Sam Patch, and you'll see in a few moments why the Safe Friday the Thirteenth story. Sam was born in Massachusetts in either 1799 or 1807, because like all people from that era, <laughs> no one knows when you were born. I, my guess is it really was probably 1807, but he was one of five kids. He, the family moved to Pawtucket, Rhode Island, home of the Boston Red Sox AAA farm team, as I know you know. Mm. His father, of course, was an alcoholic with a really bad <laughs> rep, left a lot of debt, and then ditched the family when he was still a child. I feel like all dads were alcoholics. Pretty much, yeah. There's a lot of going out to get a pack of smokes and never returning back in those days. Still are. And he became a child laborer at a cotton mill, like oh, so wow. many children labor and like we will have again here sure. the Elon Musks of the world get their way patch and all those young mill workers thought like it was like teenagers i imagine would just you know have as when work was over they'd have this downtime and i guess nearby there was a bridge over the blackstone river over where their mill was mills were almost always located on bridges for the free energy yeah and so just to you know kind of show off to one another they started jumping off the bridge and they I, I, and and Patch was said to be like just really good at it. A quote from a newspaper would say later, "quote He developed as a leaper in a wonderful way. Few of the boys caring to duplicate his feats." End quote. So okay. he was getting quite a little bit of local reputation there. He is said to have loved. He loved all the attention. He also loved the booze. He was a drinker like his dad, and he was a little bit of a troublemaker. So he sort of combined these things into jumping off of high places into water. Okay. <laughs> I know. It sounds weird, doesn't it? So he, in his yeah. early 20s now, he moves to uh, Patterson, New Jersey. He's working at a mill there. I think he was like he was like a good mill worker. So he became kind of these supervisorial roles in mills and became kind of the you know floor boss kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But in his spare time, he was still continuing to jump off of spots higher and higher and higher. And he started to send word out and sort of advertise. I don't think truly advertise. He would later, of course, you'll see in a minute, he would advertise in newspapers. But at this early stage, he would just send out word, hey, on Thursday... 
I'm going to go jump off whatever, some bridge or something like that into the, the water. You're going to want to see it. It's pretty cool. Was he earning money? Yes. He would get like little, like the crowd would just, you know, put in their pennies in a hat and things like that and kind of gather some money for him to do these things. So he's starting to uh, attract crowds for these. If you think about it, he's he's a daredevil, isn't he? He's an early stunts kind kind of a guy. His reputation, though, wasn't great at work. He was considered this... Just a kind of a douchebag boss, very difficult. He was also starting to drink heavier and heavier even by Uh-oh. this time. So he wasn't a great guy. He didn't like anyone who he thought was better than him. Oh. <laughs> In September of 1827, one account says he he did he was gonna jump off this brand new toll bridge as kind of a political statement. So this developer and builder, his name is Timothy Crane. He, I don't know if he got the rights, but this is back, you know, everything you did it yourself and you charge people money, like you had tollways and things like that. Yeah. The government wasn't doing many of these things quite yet. So Timothy Crane was going to build a bridge over the Passaic Falls in New Jersey, near where he worked now, and and it was going to be a toll bridge. And a lot of the people were grumbling about this. They didn't like that. They were happy about that, including, including Sam. So Sam started saying, hey, I'll show him. I'm going to disrupt his whole opening ceremony because I'm going to go out there and jump off that almost open bridge into the water and cause big crowds, whatever. It's going to be disruptive. I'm, you know, I don't like that. It's going to be a statement, a political yeah. statement. Of course, he started, he told the whole town this because he liked crowds. And, and so Timothy Crane, of course, knew about this, the developer. So I, I just, the thing I said, read that he, quote, got himself in a locked basement the day of the opening ceremony as Crane had gotten word that he was going to do this. I, I don't know what that means. Did Crane get to have a couple of thugs yeah. from his construction crew go and kidnap him and, and lock him in a basement in his shirt and underwear? That, well, that's that's like. how I take it. Yeah. Yeah. So they did that. And just to say, okay, we're going to have our opening ceremony on this new bridge. But uh-uh, Sam escaped from that locked basement. I'm assuming the two guys who kidnapped him got drunk. And he ran in just his... Uh, his shirt and underwear, he ran toward the opening ceremony. He got there, and the crowd cheered when he arrived, and he climbed up to about 70 to 80 feet, accounts vary, and he, boop, jumped off the bridge. You think, like, and that sounds dangerous, doesn't it? And yeah. if you land wrong, of course, it can be very dangerous. It depends on how deep the water is, et it cetera. Does. Well, even if it's deep enough, even if it's plenty deep to not hit the bottom, yeah. it's still very, very dangerous. And he had this, his style was to, to do like a cannonball yeah. at the first part, but then he would sort of splay out and go straight head to toes and he would land feet first, I think feet even pointed, so yeah. he'd just shoot like an arrow into the water. I imagine he then pivoted his body to be horizontal and you slow yourself way down. That's how you, I mean, when you dive into something and it's a shallow thing, you just immediately pivot right. upward and you, and you shouldn't actually go down that far. So I'm, I'm assuming he did that, but he was said to be just incredibly graceful. Just yeah. he has a lot of style. As he, I mean, it's 70, 80 feet. That takes a little while to come down. So, and then what he did, and he would do this for a, a lot late after this, he would hold his breath. And then you know, after he, got into the water, he would hold himself down. He would swim down and stay yeah. down as long as he possibly could, sometimes even swimming away from his landing spot and then pop up to uproarious cheers yeah. from the crowd. So this one was so big and got so much attention that it made him a pretty big star, more than just kind of a local a highlight, local daredevil. He became kind of a, whole, a regional, if not national star at this point. 
Another, you know, and so there's that political bent to it. There's for sure more than that. Maybe there was part of it, but he liked money and he liked the attention and they and he did pass the hat around yeah. for donations. He would sometimes say, uh, later, at least later on, he would say, uh, help, you know, defray my traveling expenses. So <laughs> As yeah. I travel from yeah. bridge to bridge to jump off of it. It's kind of like Trump who gets millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars for his campaign and then uses for his lawyers. I, I don't know how it's like that. But. It's not like that at all, actually. I just thought I'd throw that out. No, what was I thinking? It's like, well, I guess the other way around, though, right? This kind of almost protest jump made him, in some eyes, kind of a folk hero. He was kind of a working class hero because this is a, a time. This is 1827. You know who could vote in 1827? White men over 21 who owned property mm-hmm. or land of some sort. So he himself couldn't vote, and yeah. most of the, his fans couldn't vote either. And so he just became, and, and Andrew Jackson would later become president and would, rep, and would expand the suffrage massively. And Andrew Jackson was a big, big fan of Sam Patch and actually would have named oh. his horse after Sam Patch. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So he did get this kind of public perception of being this, this idealistic hero, but let's be 100% clear, he was in it for the money. The money and the attention. Yeah. On August 11th, 1828, he jumped a 100-foot dive, well, jump, at Hoboken, New Jersey. And this made him even more famous. The press dubbed him Patch the Jersey Jumper because <laughs> they were super <laughs> clever back then. And he started, so, and then he just goes into overdrive. He's doing it more. I think he's, at some point, I don't think he's not working in a mill anymore. I was going to say, he'd have yeah. to quit his job because he it would take a while to get from... There was a jumping place. season, like spring, summer, into fall. <laughs> what? A jumping season. There was. There was. There was in season. You'll Actually, this comes into play in a minute. But I mean, I guess obviously he couldn't do it in the winter. No, but. exactly. I, in a lot of places, most of his places, the yeah. rivers or lakes would be covered by ice. And But he started jumping from like um, factory walls, um, ships mast into oh, the yeah. ocean. And of course, every bridge you could find in the area, yeah. he would jump off of that. So he was, he bees, was becoming very active, very famous making some money now, and he decided to move up to upstate New York. I'm not completely sure why. Upstate, people forget, at this time, upstate New York was a really important part of the country. It seems kind of forgotten now. Everything in New York yeah. is, is, everything north of New York City is kind of like, whatever. Utica? Yeah. I don't know. But it was a it was a major population center. There were some major cities like Rochester and Buffalo at, at this time. And so he, and, and also I imagine there's more opportunities. There's more you know, lakes and rivers up there and more um, terrain too, high places that he could probably jump, I'm guessing. But he moved up to upstate New York. In fact, he moved to Buffalo. And he, I think he was pretty much at this point making a living as a jumper because it said that he would spend the whole day carousing different bars in Buffalo drinking. Getting He was an alcoholic for sure. And then at night, he made money in this, uh, probably during the off season, or, or at least to augment his uh, jumping income. He worked for a dime museum in Buffalo as just a sit there. And hey, here, I'm the famous Jersey jumper. Oh. It's me, Sam Patch. And people would come in to see him. Give Prob- him a nickel? Well, I, now, I mean, it was a dime museum, right? Probably. But it, it was also said that on the on the days that he appeared as this you know this this attraction, yeah, they would have to lower the charge from a dime to a nickel because he was always so drunk he was worthless. 
He was oh, just basically no. sleeping or <laughs> just too dumb and yeah. too drunk to say anything and engage the populace or like he was supposed to do. I don't know what a dime museum means. It means it tries the dime to come into the museum. That's what it means. Okay. But he wasn't the only thing in the museum. Was I know. He? I don't think so either. So, so that is weird. Yeah. But if he was a major attraction and you're paying your hard-earned dime, yeah. which is uh, now, I believe, worth, worth $400, I think, maybe 4000 <laughs> You know I'm not good at that. He would... What year was this? 1827. Okay. It was... Oh, okay. Keep going. I'll look so, it up. Okay. So he's still, he's still pretty famous, and he's doing lots of jumps. He is jumping all, all, all kinds of waterfalls throughout the Northeast and the United States. And of course, if you're talking waterfalls in the Northeast... What waterfall are you going to have to jump off of? Oh, you want me to say it? I do want you to say Niagara it. Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls, the most famous waterfall in the world. It's the only waterfall I know of by name. Oh, you never heard of Angel Falls? That's the highest waterfall Where's in the world. Where's that? Venezuela. Oh, no, I meant the United States. Oh, did you, Carrie? Yeah. I wonder. So you knew about Angel Falls, but you didn't know where it was. I know those. You just, I've heard of it. Oh, I, I know see. those falls. Yeah. Carrie, your story's falling. Um, Jamaica. Oh, what are, oh yeah, what are those? What are those? I don't remember. Okay, then yeah, that's good. That's good, Carrie. Oh, I know some falls in Phil in any country because I can't tell you the name this year. Oh, I know those falls in I believe Finland, the Finland Falls. So, it, he jumps on October seventh, eighteen twenty nine. He builds a platform on Goat Island, and now Goat Island. Remember, the, the Niagara Falls have a Canadian side and a U.S. side. And weirdly, because the, uh, the, of the shape of the river, the Canadian side is actually south of the U.S. side, and Goat Island bisects them. There's actually more and more impressive falls on the Canadian side than there are on the U.S. side, and they're much, much longer. They're called the Horseshoe Falls. So he, I don't know which side he jumped, jumped on, whether it's the U.S. side or the Canadian side, but probably the U.S. side. He builds this this huge platform that like on ladders. I've seen some of the pictures, and we'll, we'll put some pictures up. Like He'd build these giant ladders, and I think they were kind of held in place by wires, that were then cabled to the ground yeah. and secured in the ground and holding these these super high ladders up wow. and then there'd be a platform yeah. at the top of these multiple ladders holding holding up. Yeah. Again, structured with wires. And so he, he went, I think in this one, gosh, I think he was over 100 feet in the air. And again, at the tip of Goat Island to jump into the falls, not like into the worst part, his, you know, Right below the falls, not into the most dangerous. Where all, yeah, the where you just journey, be churned yeah. and die. No, not yeah. to that. But still, he's still jumping into Niagara Falls, essentially from a very, very, very high uh, altitude. Yeah. And the New York Evening Post said, "Quote: He walked out clad in white and with great deliberation, put his hands close to his side and jumped from the platform into the midst of that vast gulf of foaming waters from which none of humankind <laughs> had." Ever before emerged in life. Because oh, that Lord. is how you wrote back then. Purple and terrible. So, so yeah, it must have been, you know, it was, it, like I said, I don't think it's right into the midst of the falls. Maybe it was, though, but it, it was certainly into some place that was dangerous. So, again, he pops up. He's, he's even more famous than ever before. So he's now even you know he's now international not international well I guess he was the U.S. and Canada yeah <laughs> he's very he's very very famous he's making good money I think his oh here it is I'm sorry it was the the ladder was 125 feet high wow, wow. it was opposite the Cave of the Winds I've never been to Niagara Falls but if you have you know where that is that's that hopefully Cave that, of the Winds I know there's a isn't there a cave under the falls you I think know, like so behind the falls so maybe that's it I don't know I don't know. Uh, do you want to know what ten cents? In yes, I do. Actually, would be worth today. Uh huh. Three oh seven. Three dollars and seven cents. Yeah. 
So you, seriously? It's still pretty cheap. Really? Yeah. That doesn't seem right. Well, that's what the little online calculator says. I'm massively skeptical that ten cents in eighteen twenty-seven is worth only three dollars now. Okay. I don't. I don't think I believe that. So, I, here I actually have in the jump. I actually I I, I overlooked this. My bad. Is that uh, one of the chains securing the ladder to the cliff? In this case, the, the the ladders were were secured to the cliff by chains. Others others I think use wires. It broke, and so he actually had to jump from only quote eighty feet. And so he was a little bit disappointed in that. And I think he's also a little bit disappointed in the take and how much money he got, which was another recurring theme of his. Yeah. So he decided, okay, I'm going to do it again. So the very next week, he's, he does it again, this time from 120 feet. He, he, you know, they fixed the chain. They, they put the ladder all the way up to the top. So October 17th, he jumped again into Niagara Falls from 120 feet. 10,000 people were there to watch him. Wow. Yeah. So he was quite the showman. He was very, in this one, the Buffalo Republican quote said, quote, the jump of Patch is the greatest feat of the kind ever affected by man. He may now <laughs> challenge the universe for a competitor. <laughs> oh, God. But there weren't any because no one was doing this because he was kind of in a league of his own. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think other people were jumping from heights, but no one. There was, there was a thing, too, I've seen where people would jump into literally a barrel well, I was from just a very say, high... Yeah. I don't know how high they'd go, but they jump in. Look, jumping into a barrel was a oh. real thing. Oh, I was thinking the the jumping, going down the falls in a barrel. Oh, that's different. Yeah, this is not. Were that. they already doing that though? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like I say, I I, 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 the newspaper accounts. Oh, jumping into the foamy water, but he was not yeah. jumping where people jumped in a barrel because he would be dead. Yeah. So it was a different part. Of, it was the falls, but it wasn't the most dangerous part for sure. It can have been. So he's nationally famous. He develops his own slogan. Can you guess what that slogan was? No. I'll jump it. No, it wasn't that. But um, (laughs) if you've got it, I'll jump it. No, it was, quote, some things can be done as well as others. Oh, that's clever. (laughs) That's horrible. It's lame. It became a popular saying throughout the country. People would go, hey, some things can be done as well as others. Sam Patch said that. Did they put that on a button? Probably. He probably sold it on on a poster. Yeah. That's just the worst slogan I've ever heard. It's just so dumb. Yeah, that's terrible. He again and as you saw earlier, he wore he would he had now kind of gravitated toward this costume. He'd wear all white. He it was kind of his his uniform and he would he was just became super cocky. Yeah. They said that he strutted around town, usually drunk, with wait for it, a pet black bear on a leash. A Ooh. young cub black bear. He's you know he's like one of those rock stars who, who would walk around with a cheetah or yeah. something like that. This was Sam Patch in the late 1820s. Huh. So he's still got to keep going. Niagara Falls seems like is is that's the pinnacle. It really kind of is, but he's still got to make some more money. So he decides he's going to jump the Genesee River, which is near Rochester. And Rochester was a growing city. It was a prominent city at this time. It later, of course, be the headquarters of Kodak. It would now oh. be a pretty, you know, it's one of those shrinking cities yeah. in the old industrial northeast of the U.S. Um, but the river had a, a thing called the High Falls, which were at 97 feet. So they're a major, major waterfall, one of the biggest in, in the region. Yeah. And so this is perfect. This is this is a pretty famous area. It's very far. It's very kind of death-defying. I'll do this one and, you know, get more money, get more cred. So October 29th, he started. Uh, he produced ads 
and they talked about his feet. What he's going to do, and one of the advertisers he, one of the newspapers he advertised in was the Rochester Daily Advertiser and Telegraph, and he said he promised no mistake would occur during his jump. He asked all the spectators to bring a donation to help ease his travel cost, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they he also, well, I'll, I'll wait for that too. But it was in the advertisement. You'll you'll see in a second what I'm talking about. But he says, okay, Friday, on uh, November sixth, two p.m. I'm going to do this. Six to eight thousand. Some people say again, as much as ten thousand people showed up on the banks of the river to watch him go over the falls. According to the Rochester Public Library, I'm not sure why they have an accounting of this quote. So he goes up to, he, with his bear. He brings his bear up with him. He goes sure. to the top of this platform. He quote. Wait, he brings the bear up on the platform. He with does him? bring the bear up on the platform. Oh my gosh! It's much worse. That sounds quote, dangerous. Quote. He took the bear by the collar and pushed it over the falls into the turbulent water below, end quote. He then waited to see that the bear popped up, swam to shore, and was okay. And then, and only then, did Sam Patch do his famous dive over the high falls in the Genesee River. And same thing, popped up, he's fine, he swims to shore, but no. He pushed the bear over first. This was in the, that's what I didn't tell you on the advertisement. The advertisement said, I'll have my black bear there too. Wow. Yeah, he's a horrible human being. Tosses a black bear cub almost 100 feet. It's not the showman. It's not a daredevil. Yeah. It's not getting any of the money. That's some. That's wrong. That's pretty evil. So the problem here, and this, I, th- I think this sometimes happened. He, he's like, it's not enough. I didn't make enough money. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> so he says, you know what? I'll just do it again. I just did it. It's easy. I, I, I'm fine. The black bear is fine. I'll do it again in the same spot. I want to make some more money. And he, so he said, okay, let me give them something a little more. Because a lot of these people, you know, if you are someone who wants to go see someone jump off of a platform into a river, you're a, a, a unique subset of the local population. Yeah. He knew that. So he knew he, he needed to have a lot of people be repeat visitors right. and come again. So he said, I'm going to go 25 feet higher. I'm going to build a platform up to 125 feet. I'm going to jump 125 feet over these high falls into the Genesee River, and you'll be amazed. And he said, the advertisement said, uh, actually said, come see Sam Patch's last jump. Now, the, the reason is clear. It was cold now. It's oh. later in the fall. Okay. It's the end of the season. It meant his last jump for the season right. of 1829. Maybe they should have been more clear. Yeah. No, I mean, that people took it that way okay. for sure. That's no question. Um, it was just a, 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 as we'll see, as you can already imagine, it's a very unfortunate turn of phrase. And on, so on a, on now at 2 p.m. again, on November 13th of Friday, Ooh, exactly one okay. week, week later... He scales up this now 125-foot platform with thousands of people cheering, hopefully throwing some serious cash into his whatever he's passing around. Yeah. And he um, apparently he would sometimes, in fact, quite often by this point, remember, he was super full of himself. He loved attention. He would give some speeches, like short, usually rambling speeches, sometimes said to be a little, said to be a little bit slurred because he was, as we know, an alcoholic. Yeah. This one, he said, quote, Napoleon was a great man and a great general. He conquered armies and he conquered nations, but he couldn't jump the Genesee Falls. 
Wellington was a great man and a great soldier. He conquered armies and he conquered Napoleon, but he couldn't jump the Genesee Falls. That was left for me to do, and I can do it and will. Oh, End that, quote. That's a little Trumpy in there too. Very, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's not cool. So now he's up there on the platform. Witnesses would now. There's some discrepancies about what happened next. It was said that he was drunk and he was kind of stumbling a little bit. Yeah. Others said, no, no, no. He just took a quick shot of brandy just to give him a little bit of liquid courage, take the edge off of this really cold November afternoon. It was pretty cold. And that's yeah. all. Yeah. But so we don't know. 8,000 people there. They had different stories. The other thing that's not clear is it's not clear that whether he jumped or fell because suddenly he's just in the air and he's falling. And apparently it looked fairly okay for the first maybe 30 feet or so. But then something happened. And he's, he's normally, remember, he goes, he goes vertical. He gets perfect. Right. His feet are pointed down. He's going to land feet first. He didn't. Something weird happened. So after descending, descending about a third of the way, according to some uh, folks, quote, as handsomely as, oh, he descended about a third of the way as handsomely as he ever did, end quote. That's the, from the Saturday Evening Post. He then, again from the Post, evidently began to droop. His arms were extended and his legs separated. That's dangerous. And in this condition, he struck the water and sunk. So something happened yeah. on the way down and he suddenly lost his form and it's unclear exactly how he landed, but there was a loud impact noise when he hit the water Ooh. and he did not surface. So for a while, people think he's doing it. Uh -huh. This is Sam. He's holding his breath. He's under there. But then two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, four months, he still had not risen from the water. Wait, nobody went in? No, God, no. no. I guess not, huh? Back then, didn't weren't, couldn't most people not swim? Sam could swim, presumably. I don't know. But I, don't but think, I think a lot of people didn't swim very well. But no, no one went in. Some people also said that he, there was a hidden cave down there at the base of the falls. I don't, I don't know if there was or not. And that he was just sort of hiding down there to, to create more drama. Right. But he wasn't. Some people also said, okay, he's not dead. They sort of Elvised him right. and said he snuck off somehow. Maybe he, he held his breath and he, he swam far enough away where the crowd didn't see him, got out of the water, and he just faked his death. Or maybe he even threw a dummy off the platform, which is ludicrous. Yeah. You could plainly see him. Yeah. And uh, But still, these stories, even after he was confirmed dead, his body will be found in a, in a minute, uh, in, oh, okay. in four months, as we'll, I'll tell you in a second. Even after that, people still said, no, 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 that's fake. He's alive. He's out there somewhere. <laughs> Especially, I'm sure, the people that were there to allay their own feelings of guilt. Yeah. So about four months later in Winterstale, his frozen body was found in the ice in, um, I guess, a, a village called Charlotte outside of Rochester, in the like early spring, some local named Silas Hudson saw the body under the ice and, and dug it out and brought mm -hmm. it in, and it was him. Yeah, he had been under the water. So I guess his body stayed under, and then it flowed seven miles right. downstream. But it, it, the ice by that time, ice is forming and kept it under and kept it from being discovered for all for four months. And and there was all there was a lot of recriminations within the press. Um, a, a a newspaper called the Anti Masonic Enquirer. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this is the know nothing area, so you can openly state your bias. Yeah. It said 
it like kind of like scolded the crowd and all the people by saying that it was the uh, the waste of a daring and useless exposure of human life, end quote, that left the crowd, quote, abashed and rebuked after seeing the frail mortal standing, as it proved, on the brink of eternity. Basically, uh, a lot of people were angry that the crowd had yelled, jump, jump, jump. Right. <laughs> he jumped to his death. Well, so why? Why did he die? You, it's November 13th, 1829. It was a cold day. Yeah. I'm going to assume it was significantly colder than it had been on November 6th, the week earlier when he had jumped. Because here's what happened. The autopsy revealed, there's an 1829 autopsy, I guess yeah. an 1830 autopsy, so take it for what you will, but it said that, that basically on the way down, it just got so cold, it was a fairly sudden change in temperature, that he his blood vessels, the, the cold caused his blood vessels to rupture. So it's possible when he drooped and sagged, he was dead. Oh, in the air? In the air. Oh. In the air. So remember, he about a third of the way down, he suddenly right. lost his form and, and looked all droopy. His legs pulled apart. And he just smashed into the water, kind of like I, I, I've heard one thing said, like a belly flop or on his yeah. back. He, it, it was, you know, he was at least incapacitated or unconscious before he ever hit the water. And they yeah. think it had something to do with blood vessels rupturing inside his body because of the cold. I'm not sure. I mean, anyway, he's dressed in just a little, uh, you know, yeah. almost like a very sheer white suit. Some pictures of the time show him in like a red speedo. But everything I've read says he wears some kind of a white outfit. Yeah. Something like that. I, I don't think Speedos have been invented yet. So. No, I don't think so either. It was said he was 22 years old, which I, I find very hard to believe. So that's the, the whole thing, 1799, 1807. Right. Now that I think about him, I'm going to go with 1799 because that would make him more like 30. Because he'd remember he had worked his way. Well, then again, I was going to say he worked his way up into like a supervisor role at the mill. But then again, this he, is when you start when you're like 11 yeah. or 7. So maybe he very did. True. He was a veteran. So. He may have been 22 years old. He may have been 30-ish. He was buried in an unmarked grave near Rochester. I guess the Charlotte Cemetery. This is near where he was. I think his body was taken out of the water. And a, a, wooden, a wooden board was placed over his grave. It's long gone. But it said, quote, here lies Sam Patch. Such is fame. <laughs> <laughs> they were not good at sayings back in those days. Such is fame. What was his What was his saying again? His slogan: I, "If it can it, be done, it can be done." What was it again? I, something hold, like that. Hold. I don't know. It was some things could be done as well as others. <laughs> it's just terrible. Yeah. Just do it is so much better than that. Let's give Nike their due. His legacy actually was pretty prominent for quite some time. He became kind of this mythological figure, and. He was a major celebrity. He was as late in the 1870s, a children's book came out called The Wonderful Leaps of Sam Patch. Remember, he died uh-huh. in 1829. Yeah. And by the way, this children's book had an illustration of his plunge death. to death <laughs> over the gen in the Genesee River. So nice, nicely done children's um, book publishers. I'm assuming he wasn't married. No. So did he have kids? A, a little uh, you know, chunk of money. Who got his money? I don't when he died? know. I don't know. The bear. The, hopefully, <laughs> it deserved it being tossed off the platform for the care and feeding of that poor bear. I hope so. People wrote poems about him. He was kind of the and and they had plays about him. He was yeah. the hero in all these plays. Things like Sam Patch, the Yankee Jumper, and Sam Patch at Home, and um, Sam Patch in France. 
was oh. was written. And Sam patched the jumper. He's like in the 1840s, too. Again, President Andrew Jackson named his horse after him. Yeah. And well into the late 19th century, so decades after his death, anyone who did, did anything like that, jumping from great height, was said to be, hey, that's the new Sam Patch. Yeah. So he was still very well known. It is and a great name. It is a very good name. It, it said that he kind of, he was the first of these kind of daredevils who do crazy stunts for money and yeah. attention. And he kind of started started that. Yeah. He was also, we'll end with this, he was also featured in season four, episode two of Drunk History. Oh. It's called Legends. He was played by Kyle Mooney, played Perfect. Sam Patch. I probably saw that, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember that either. But um, that's the story of Sam Patch, who died and plunged to his death. Not died five days later, Carrie. Died on <laughs> November Friday 13th on a Friday in 1829. Interesting. I think so. I did see, you know, short little blurbs about Sam Patch, did but you? not all that history. I checked it out. Yeah. It, it sounded inter- interesting. You to did me. some so research. I did do some research. You did some research too, too and found out that 10 cents equals $3, which I find that extremely, it's got to be more than that. Because uh-huh. that would be a super cheap museum, wouldn't it? Maybe it was considered cheap. And, and, yeah. And, then again, you know, see, sometimes it's wrong because sometimes you have those things in buying power, and the buying power maybe was much greater. Because right, you could go yeah. do, for a dime and go, okay, I'll have a um, whole thing of wheat. I'll have seven pounds of flour. Yeah, give me go ahead and give me some tobacco. Um, give me some of the Hershey's chocolate bars. That's maybe an anachronism, yeah. but you, it seems like you would, you know, you, the money went a long way. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway. Well, I know like when my mom was a small child or probably even not that small of a child, she she has said like a movie a movie ticket costs a nickel. Yeah, see? So that would have been the so 40s, movie would cost dollar early 50s. That makes no sense. Now, yeah. So it's it's not really identical. You can't say a nickel is now worth Two, yeah. $15. No way. I'm not buying it, Carrie. No. I think it's... Um, it's just different, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, that's not the same thing. Go ahead. I just wanted to quickly mention that in my research into Friday the 13th, um, I read some things about, you know, how other countries have mm-hmm. different unlucky days. And China, they're the most, un- the unluckiest day of the year in China. What do you think it is if this date has significance to me? Um, April 4th. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's my birthday. And it's because the Chinese word for the number four sounds a lot like the word for death. Okay. You, you, you decided what the words mean, right? Yeah, don't. I don't mean, do that. That's weird. That is weird. Why you make your numbers sound like bad words. You heard, you heard her, China. <laughs> Why you make your numbers sound like bad words. Change the name for one of those things. So like Why how, you make your numbers sound like you sounded very angry. There, so like Carrie. how. You're uh, threatening China right now. A lot of hotels don't have a 13th floor. Yes. Well, obviously they do. They just don't name it that. Yeah, I, which I is kind of so dumb. so silly. Because that means if you're on the 14th floor, you're on, you're the, on the 13th, 13th floor. floor. So get over yeah. it, which is fine. I would want to be the on the 13th floor. The universe knows you're on the 13th floor. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, many Chinese hotels don't have a fourth floor. Really? A floor yeah. Because of that, huh? Because of that. 
That's why you're angry. Yeah. Because they make your birthday yeah. bad. I better huh. never go to China on my birthday. Oh, no, God. They would hate you. They'd be afraid of you or stone you. Stone you? That seems wrong. I don't think so. I don't think they'd do that. I think they would feel very sorry for me. Probably. And I would get a lot of sympathy. Oh, I think then you should. would be very nice to me. Okay. And let's, then Japan. Let's do this. Because yes. they have a similar thing where, you know, words have, you know, they sound similar to something, so mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. have a different mm-hmm. connotation. Their bad day to have a birthday is September 9th. Hmm. 9 9 because the word 9 sounds similar to the word for torture or suffering. Wow. Yeah, also not good. So we should do that. Oh, when's your birthday? It's November agony. <laughs> no, that seems that, that does seem strange. Yeah. But anyway, if you want to know what other countries have other unlucky days, you feel free to look it up. Okay, because <laughs> Carrie is done. <laughs> They're just not that interesting. Okay, well, that's good. Thank you for that. And listeners, we hope you enjoyed our special, special. episode of Friday the 13th. We will now go back to regular Hollow Weird World scary, spooky programming next time. Next Thursday. Next Thursday. Yep. This upcoming Thursday. Depending on when you listen to this, it could have already happened. I'm assuming you're listening to this on Friday the 13th. Okay. All right. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening.